are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Okay, are we ready to dig into the Word this morning? Hey, I love that. Who was that? That's great. Is that, is that the youth group over here? I spoke to the greatest youth group ever on Wednesday night, and a lot of them are here this morning. Uh, what about our teenagers this morning in church? And you're kind of scattered around, but man. You know, Wednesday night, we have about 300 students who come. And uh, this past Wednesday night, I got to speak to, to, two of, to, to all of them in two separate groups, mid-high and then senior high. And uh, man, I didn't have a youth group like this when I was growing up. This is awesome. Well, let me, let me chat with you a bit. I had to take my button off while I go. I'll put it back on real quick. I just, uh, I'm a little discombobulated here. I'll get myself together shortly. Um, I want to start this morning by, well, I want to begin at the end. Is that okay? Let me put a quote on the screen and you can look at it with me and we'll kind of talk about it. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said, when we stand before God on the final day, you ever think about that? Um, I'm okay to admit to you that I think about that some. When we stand before God on the final day, all external advantages and disadvantages will dissolve. And our true selves, the part of us that chooses good or ill, obedience or disobedience, will remain. Then we will see ourselves as we really are. And this moment of revelation will contain surprises. Can I read it again? May I read it again? When we stand before God on the final day, all external advantages and disadvantages will dissolve. And our true selves, the part of us that chooses good or ill, obedience or disobedience, will remain. And then we will see ourselves as we really are. And this moment of revelation will contain surprises. I think my question to Mr. Lewis is, what kind of surprises? And I think he would say, if you knew, then it wouldn't be a surprise. And I think my concern, would these surprises be something that would encourage me? Or something that would cause me to be concerned? Here's what I'm talking about. When I I grew up, um, I was a teenager in the late 70s. We're only two Sundays from Advent. Do you know what the word Advent means? It means coming. And so in Advent, we celebrate the coming of Jesus into the world, right? And then we celebrate the fact that He is going to come again. And so, when I was growing up, we talked in the 70s a lot more about the second coming than we did His first coming. A lot more about the second coming. Here's what the Bible says, that one day the clouds will open, Jesus Christ will appear, and He will take His church, all those who are ready, up with Him. But there was always the fear that what if you're not ready? And that you could get left behind. And that was what I was always concerned about as a teenager. I don't know that I'm ready. I'm afraid I might get left behind. But when Paul writes... In the passage we're going to read this morning, and another passage is about this second coming when Jesus comes again. He came as a baby. He's going to come again. He's going to receive His church. We're all going with Him. When He comes again, Paul never wrote about it in a way that you would depict any fear in his writing. In fact, it was just the opposite. 
When he writes to the people in Thessalonica, you know what he says? After he goes into great detail to describe the fact that one of these days the clouds are going to burst open. Jesus Christ is going to appear. We're going to be caught up with him in the air. He says these words. So, encourage one another with these words. These are really good words. This should encourage you. This should lift you up. This should build you up. You should be excited about the fact that one day Jesus is coming for you. So what was the basis for his joy? See, this this was the basis. And this is the heart of what we're dealing with this morning. Although he knew that there were people who were living their lives only for earthly things. Although he knew that there were people who were living their lives only for the things of this world. That was kind of it for them. He knew that by God's grace, he was living his life for another world. And because Jesus came to him and forgave him of his sin and made him right with God, that this day of Jesus coming back was a day that he could look forward to. And so here's what he says to every one of the people who were at Philippi, and it's God's word for you and me today, okay? So in light of all of that, stand firm. Get your feet on really firm ground and stand firm in your faith. So grab your Bible and go to Philippians chapter 3 with me, verse 17, okay? Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. And we will see what God's Word has for us this morning. So here's what Paul says. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. Just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So here's what he's saying. You follow my example. There's a lot of us who are living this way, and we become a model or a pattern for you, and you can live as we live. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. So what does that look like, to live as an enemy of the cross? Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind, in other words, is set on earthly things. But our citizenship, it's in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, everything, even ISIS, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters... You whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm, rather, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. This is God's word for us today. Amen? So, let me talk to you a little bit about this. You ever wonder why it is that we can't just do some of the things that we kind of want to do? You know what I mean? I mean, is there anybody in the room that can't relate that you would say... Yeah, Rick, there have been things that I've wanted to do that I knew was wrong, but but kind of deep down I wanted to do it. I mean, is there anybody who can't relate to that? See, I believe everybody in the room understands me very well. Yes, there has been things that I knew was wrong. In fact, I would say it was sin, but I wanted to do it. Is there anybody in the room who can't relate to this? There have been things that I've wanted to say... That I knew I should not say, but I wanted to say them. I mean, seriously, everybody has done it, right? 
I mean, there has been somebody I kind of wanted to give a piece of my mind, but I didn't do it. Or maybe you might say, I did do it. How many of you have driven down the road and composed some beautiful speeches that you've never delivered? I mean, we all have. And deep down, I kind of wanted to say it to them, but I didn't say it. See, when, when, when I talk to somebody who is confessing to me a sin, I'm a pastor. That's not uncommon. People might come and say, I need to tell you something. If I ask them, then why did you do it? The answer is always the same. I wanted to. Sin is not a complicated concept that we can't grasp. It is simple. It is selfishness. It's what we want more than we want what God wants. It's what I want. This is at the heart of where Paul is. So so every student in the room, every college person, every 20-year-old, 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60, 70, we all get it. We know what it is to want to sometimes do something that we should not do. Say something that we should not say. And that's where Paul is with the Philippians. He is saying, I am so concerned. And what I'm concerned about is that you might one day become an enemy of the cross of Christ because you would let your God be your stomach. And you would give in to your appetites and your wants and your desires. And you would morally fall off the deep end. And you would offend God and break His heart. That's what I'm afraid of. There I said it. And you got to wonder, well, if, if that's what he's afraid of, why would he be afraid of that? So let me, let me give you some, some history, some background that will help you understand that, okay? Uh, it kind of works like this. I was headed to work a couple of weeks ago, and I stopped in one of my favorite little breakfast places, and uh, I said to the lady who was waiting on me, very kind and always is kind of having conversation, hey, that, that early morning rain was kind of nice to wake up to, pretty relaxing. And so you know what the lady says to me? So what time did you wake up to that rain? I said, well, it was a, it was a little before six. And she said, yeah, that's about the time I was walking to work. It was raining pretty hard. I I felt bad. And I didn't really know what to say next. In fact, I kind of stuttered out of, so how long does it take you to, to, uh, you know, uh, walk walk to work? And she goes, "It's, it's not far, about 10 minutes. And what I realized was that we both experienced the same event But our situations created us to understand it differently. For me, it was to hit the snooze and to roll back over and to pull the covers up around my neck and to listen to the rain hit the roof and just kind of relax in that moment. But for her, it was a matter of trying to get to work early morning in the dark and now in the rain. And so Paul takes the gospel of Jesus to people who live in Philippi. And he takes it to a group of people who are mostly Gentile initially. 
And they begin to grasp what he is saying. And they begin to say things like, are you serious? This free grace, this gospel of grace, it's for me. I can be forgiven of my sin. I can't earn it. I can't buy it. I can't do anything to get it. It's just there for my taking. I can have it. And the response was that, well, then we want to honor the Lord with the way that we live our lives. But there were also some Jewish people who were hearing the gospel of grace. And they were saying, wait a minute. You mean it's free? All of my life I've tried to work to earn it and you're saying I can't? And it's just forgiveness that's free. And so what they begin to do is say, well, then I can live however I want. Because grace abounds and I can get forgiven over and over again. And I guess I can just live however I want to live. I can just please my own appetites, my desires, my wants. I can do what I want to do and be forgiven. And they begin to use the gospel as an excuse for their immorality. And they begin to influence others that maybe this is all okay. And so this is what Paul is trying to challenge. You know that this new covenant of grace, it has ethical commands just like the law had. And so what do you think Paul is going to do? Okay, so let's just kind of back up a minute and say everybody in the room gets it. We all understand that there are times that we desire to do things that we know that we should not do. We desire maybe to say things that we know we should not say. We desire to act in a way that we know is wrong, but somehow... There is this glitter, there is this gold, there is this sparkle, there is this temptation. And we look at it and we stutter and we ponder sometimes and we try to kind of go through that moment of, okay, God, I've got to stand firm in my faith here. We know what that's like, right? We all know what it is to be there. And most of us know what it is to step over the line at times and to feel really bad because of it. So what do you do? What is Paul trying to get the people to do? And here's here's where the passage takes us. So I was... uh, reading a little article by a lady uh, who was a missionary's kid in Papua New Guinea. And she said, so when we grew up in Papua New Guinea, here, here's the way it worked. When you greeted somebody, when you just said hello to somebody, uh, you use these words, I see you, okay? And, and so then you would fill the next lines in yourself with whatever you saw them doing. So like if I was going to say hi to Kyle and Melina this morning, uh, I would say, I see you sitting there, Okay. So I came running into the church this morning, and as I'm running into the church, I'm saying hi to people, and I'm saying good morning to folks. And uh, if I was in Papua New Guinea, though, I would be saying, I see you. I see you coming into the church. And so they would say things like this, I see you working in your garden. And that's the way you would greet somebody if you're walking by and they're working in their garden. Um, I see you walking toward me. And, And a greeting was to acknowledge somebody acting out and living out life. And Paul says, that's, that's the way you, you deal with this issue. And, and he says it in these words. Watch the way that I live life. Watch the way that I've lived before you. And he says it by saying simply this. Follow the example that I'm giving you. And follow the example of others who are living like I am. So here's what you have. You have an awesome thing. You've got people who have been living this Christian life, who know what it is to want to do things they shouldn't do, to want to say things they shouldn't say, to want to act in a way that they should not act, to want to please their appetites, their desires, their wishes. But you can watch all these other people who have said no and have stood firm in their faith. And have walked away. So just right now, in your own mind, think about people in your life. The people that you respect, their walk with God above any other people. And Paul says, why don't you just look at their lives and look at how they lived. 
And now you begin to pattern your life after theirs. Then he says a second thing. I have these friends whose names are Barry and Charlie Carney, and they are in Paraguay. And so we've known them for years. I was her youth pastor, and they were here last January. Many of you got to meet them, and they spoke on a Sunday morning. And so Barry and Charlie, I've always seen only in my church that I was pastoring speaking. But in April, I got to go where they were. I got to go to Paraguay, and I got to watch them work in another country as a missionary. And it was awesome. And so we're getting picked up at the airport in Asuncion, and we're going around and seeing the city, and we're going to churches, and they're planting churches, and people are coming to Jesus. It's awesome what God is doing through them. They're starting the seminary because they know you got to train pastors, and we got to be involved in that because you guys give to missions every week. We get to be a part of what they're doing there. But you know what they do? When they're out and around, they speak Spanish. I couldn't understand anything they were saying. And you know what kind of food they eat? They eat the kind of food that the people in Paraguay are eating. I mean, when they're there, they're just kind of blending into that culture in a way. And they're just sharing Jesus with people. And they're saying, we're going to be here and we're going to be a part of you and a part of your lives. And we're going to learn who you are and we're going to... We're going to eat food like you, and we're going to speak your language, and we're going to do those kinds of things. And we're going to talk to you about Jesus. That is not, hear me, that is not what Paul has in mind when he says the next line, we are citizens of heaven. Because Philippi was a Roman colony. You know what a colony is? Colonization means... So a colony is where that we say, even though Philippi is hundreds of miles from Rome, in Philippi, we're going to act like Romans. We're going to talk like Romans. We're going to dress like Romans. We're going to eat like Romans. We're going to live like Romans. We're going to have legal magistrates that are Romans. And out here in Greece, we're going to have a little bit of Rome. It wasn't a matter of blending into their culture. Oh, no. It was a matter of making Roman life and rule happen right there. And it's in that backdrop, listen to this, that Paul says, you guys are not citizens of Rome, where's your citizenship? And he says, it's in heaven. And so here's your deal. You're going to act like people of the kingdom of heaven. You're going to live like people of the kingdom of heaven. You're going to conduct yourselves like people of the kingdom of heaven. You're going to try to bring a little bit of heaven to earth is what you're going to do. Do you remember when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray? He doesn't say, pray that you can get to heaven really fast. Pray that the kingdom of heaven will come to earth is what you pray. Thy kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth just as, is it in, just as it is in heaven. We want heaven to happen here and now. And so I think when you opened up your wallets a moment ago, I think that's a picture of the kingdom of heaven being lived out on earth. I think when you wrote a prayer, I think it's a picture of the kingdom of heaven being lived out on earth. So... If that's what we're supposed to do, follow the example of those before us. And remember that we are part of the kingdom of heaven and our job is to bring heaven to earth. Then there's got to be some inspiration in this, right? Uh, Friday night, Annette and I were just together, just the two of us. 
And someone called and said, have you heard about what's happening in Paris? We had no idea. And so we immediately grabbed our phones and started going to news and started catching up a little bit. Man, this is a city, Oklahoma City, that understands terrorism. Every year that April 19th rolls around since we've lived here, we've understood that that's a day that you remember very, very well. Due to the Oklahoma City bombing. As a nation, we understand terrorism. If I live to be 100 and I have my mind at 100, the date 9-11 will still mean something to me. 50 some years from now, it'll still mean something something to me. And, And now the people in France have one of those dates. The 13th of November. ISIS say we are the ones who did it. And we did it in retaliation. It's revenge. It's payback for you guys. For airstrikes on Syria. Don't you wish it would just all end? All the hate. All the fighting. Don't you wish it would just all stop? Don't you wish the enemy would just be brought to a halt? And here, here's the inspiration. Paul says, listen to these words. He says, he says this, By the power in Jesus that enables him to bring everything under his control, even ISIS. I know that the enemy is at work in the world, but one day everything will be brought under the control of Christ himself. It will not always be like it is. The kingdom of God is now being established on earth. And then he gives a second reason. We had a funeral here on Friday. We had one on Saturday. We have one on Monday. And we will have one on Tuesday. I was, I was with these guys the other day. And I'm looking at them. Because they're talking about age. And I'm thinking, they're older than me. And both of them are in their early 50s when they tell their age and they're younger than me. And I'm looking at them thinking, am I that old? And then I realize, no, you're older. How am I getting so old so fast? When I hang around people in their 30s, I want to think I'm like their age, but I'm not. I'm in my mid-50s. I got a couple of shoulders that are hurting me like crazy the last few months. I don't know what to do about the crazy things. I got... Some people trying to help me with them, but I'm just, I just ache when I get out of bed in the morning. And so Paul is saying, that's life. You've got these bodies and they're getting old. And sometimes they just stop working. That's what happened to a guy just the other morning. His body just quit. Everything just stopped. He just died. He was only 59, but that was it. And Paul says, one day when he comes, that day that I'm not afraid of, that day that I'm looking forward to, he will exchange my lowly body, my aging aching body for a glorious body like his. So, here's the storyline. There are times that we desire to do things that we should not do. We know they're wrong in the eyes of God. Their sin is not God's desire for us. So, keep looking to those people in your life. 
Those people who have gone before you, those people who have lived this life, how are they living? Remind yourself that you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and your job is not to create more chaos on earth, but to bring heaven to earth in the way you live your life. And be encouraged knowing that God is going to bring everything under control by the power of His Son, Jesus, and that one day we will be with Him forever and these lowly bodies will be exchanged for a glorious body like His. Now, I want to talk to you about what it all means real quick. And so, this is kind of the moment of the sermon where I just want to sit down and I wish that we were sitting in a room together, just you and me, and I could just look in the eyes and tell you a story. There's a gal that we knew very, very well. Young woman. As she grew... uh, she seemed to have a, a great sense of faith in the Lord. But uh, it was apparent to her parents, especially, that, that she was beginning to take another route. Didn't understand that at all. She would say things to them like this. I have faith. It's just not like your faith. I know Jesus. It's just not the same way that you think a person should live who knows Jesus. I believe... But maybe I just don't believe like you believe. I'm a Christian. I'm just not a Christian maybe like you're a Christian. And, 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 I, and I was a person who was watching that life. And, and, I, and I saw choices being made. And if you asked me how she was living, I would have said, well, I'm nobody's judge. But as I look at the scripture and I look at her life, I would have to say she's living in sin. I think she's doing the things that she wants to do. I think she's saying the things she wants to say. I think she's living the way she wants to live. Without regard for how God wants her to live. I I, I remember really well when we got a phone call that she had made a complete turnaround in her life. And started running toward God. Very excited. I got to have a conversation with her about a year after that. And I said to her, do you remember when you were telling your parents you had faith, you knew Jesus, you were living a Christian life? She said, yeah. How do you feel about that now? She kind of grinned and shook her head and she goes, I wasn't. I was just saying that to try to justify the way I was living. All along, she said, I knew. I knew what was right and I knew what was wrong. I was rebellious. I was living out there because that's what I wanted to do at the time. I think the words of Paul from Philippians a couple of thousand years ago is relevant to us today. You know what Paul was saying to those people? There are going to be people who come into your life who try to tell you these other things. They're going to try to tell you that your morals are kind of out of date. 
Your way of life is a little bit ancient. God really doesn't expect this from you right now. There's a lot of liberty. There's a lot of freedom. Right and wrong is a lot more gray than you ever thought it was. And Paul says, when those people tell you that, I think you should look at the examples of the people in your life who know Jesus deeply. And I think you should recommit yourself to the mission about helping bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth. I think that's what you should do. So I asked Kyle this morning to come and uh, sing a song. Not, not really lead a song yet, just more, more like sing a song. And I think it's a song that kind of gets at the heart of the message in Philippians 3. When you find yourself feeling tempted... Wanting to move the lines. Wanting to use the gospel and the message of grace as a license to be a bit immoral along the way. I think the song kind of brings us back to center. And so, as he sings, I want you to take some time to listen to these words. And just let God speak through you.
Stand with me, please. So I want to pray for you before you go, okay? Would you bow your heads with me? We, we're very aware, Father, that there is a tempter. We have an enemy of our souls. try to threaten our standing firm in our faith who will hold out in front of us every temptation that he thinks could have some power over us our minds sometimes scare us the way we try to rationalize what's right and what's wrong realize, Lord, this morning that we're not part of a movement that happened a few years ago. But for 2,000 years, the words of Jesus have been preached. And thousands of years before that, God, your word has gone out. And we've got to watch people. We've had the opportunity of watching people live this life in front of us. So help us to follow the examples that have been set. And be part of bringing about your kingdom on earth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm glad we got to worship together today. Um, As you go, I've been made aware that there is a lunch for juniors and seniors, high school juniors and seniors, um, and their families at Southern Nazarene University, and it's a lunch provided just for families who attend this church, and so uh, if you would like to be a part of that, uh, they welcome you and invite you, so God bless you. Have a great week. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.